Welcome everyone to another edition of Scholastic Transmission, a college radio podcast where we seek to provide you the tools to preserve and promote college radio. I'm Shane Garcia, and I'm joined today by the man, the myth, the legend himself, Dr. Ralph Doc Rock Antonin. Doc, that's on a t-shirt. You must have read it off my t-shirt. Is that the one that you're wearing today? Yeah, I got it right here. <laughs> Funny. Mama got me this for Christmas. How you doing today, Doc? I'm doing well. The weather's beautiful. The sun's out. It's springtime. You can't ask for any better day than this. As we teased last week, we are here to talk about how our college radio station even came to exist. It's the early days of Millersville University's college radio station that was then known as WMSRAM and now known today as 91.7 WIXQ. Yeah, I came here in 71 and I did the history, as you know, and it really started in 1966. When a guy by the name of Wally Champa, Dr. Wally Champa, who I actually knew, did not know this part of him, was, was the director of audiovisual instructional services at Millersville. And after three years of planning, was trying to introduce the concept of a radio station with a 50-mile radius that he was going to start at Millersville and was going to turn it into an instructional and a communications uh, thing for, and also had some entertainment to it. And he envisioned that a 50-mile radius. So that's, he was the one sort of came up with the idea. Didn't wind up with him, though. So how did the idea evolve into the real deal? Well, if you're in academia, there's academic affairs and student affairs. And academic affairs sort of separated from student affairs. And they, they went into uh, George Francis of the Industrial Arts Department and William Wright of the English Department, and then later the Con Department, came up with the idea to start a radio club in 1967. So they did that, and then, uh, of course, they were going to go on the air in 68, and uh, they obviously didn't make it right away, but they started, I think, October of uh, 1968 going on the air as sort of a radio club, and, of course, it was wired just to go on campus. That's all it went. So the idea of the radio club was just them trying to get together and to establish a radio station? Yes, and, of course, a radio club would have to get permission from the students student affairs side, namely the student senate, and that's how they got permission to go ahead. So there sort of was the beginning of the movement sort of away from academic affairs into student affairs. So what did the students have to do to get this thing off the ground? Well, they had to go out and get a licensed engineer, and they also had to get a student who was going to be working uh, in having a license, and that turned out to be a, a young lady at that time, by, who I've just talked to many times uh, by phone now, uh, Susan Kratzky, Sue Kratzky, and she went out and she was dating a guy from FNM. For those that don't know, FNM is Franklin and Marshall College here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And she got her training over there. He was sort of a boyfriend to her. She brought it back to Millersville and obviously uh, was the, one of the leaders of getting uh, the carrier current going at Millersville University. She was a licensed person. She went and took the test and got licensed. So why did she need to do that? I, you know, that's an interesting, I've asked her and I've talked to her many times. She just, like many people, wanted to do this. And she learned by going to FNM and that the, the gentleman who she was, I think, maybe even dating, showed her the ropes and then she carried it to Millersville and did it. And interestingly enough, became the first person to ever go on air. There's a trivia question. Who was the first person in WMSI to be on the air? It was Sue Kratzky with her supper club hour or whatever she called it. As you wrote in the WIXQ History, 50 Years of Organized Chaos, a WIXQ memoir, you wrote, 
Finally, on Monday, October 21st at 5 p.m., WMSR went on air with Susan Kratzky serving as the station's first announcer. Following her supper series, an hour of quiet instrumentals which was piped into two dining halls, the college audience was brought up to date on the latest world, national, state, and local news. Yes, and at that time they had a regular format. I mean, they had all kinds of uh, news and sports, and, and music wasn't just the only thing here hearing on WIXQ. Uh, I'm sorry, WMSR at that time. After Sue Kratzky got her certification, what other training did the students then have to do to get on the air? Well, I think they had to do like a tape or something because I, I didn't really find exactly what they did, but they called for people to come down, get trained to go on the air. And I think they probably listened to them uh, practicing going on the air and people would be given different slots, different time areas. So uh, Sue Kratzky and of course, Fred Ralston was the first station manager. And I've talked to Fred at great length too. And they had to do a lot of news. You had to do news before you could get into uh, music and a, uh, a DJ kind of situation. Now, to me, that's the way to do it. It allows the new trainees to work their way up the ladder before they get the AOK to have their own programming on the station. They develop the discipline, the technique, and the dedication to the station that they wouldn't typically get if they just jump right in. Because I know for some, because I've seen it happen time and time again during my time in college radio, that somebody would train and they get a show at, like, say, 7 o'clock or 5 o'clock or even 1 or 3 a.m. in the morning, and then they'd stop going to their shows and drop off the program grid because they wouldn't want to put in the work to work their way up the ladder to get a better time slot or work at the station. Where instead, if you have them start out in a producer role or covering news or sports, kind of like what WSOU does in Seton Hall, they're going to want to develop more and do more in order to get their own show. You have to install a training model that is going to instill discipline in your DJ so they don't fall off the ladder, and so they're going to want to stick around and help out the radio station. And aside from training, you have to install a disciplinary model so that way your DJ stick around and actually put in the work at the radio station, regardless whether or not it's their show or they're on an executive or council position. Because nobody likes a lazy station member. Nobody does. Everybody should be wanting to put in the work to help build the foundation of their radio station. And if you're not, you're failing your station and you're hogging up that opportunity for somebody else that does want to put in the work and make an impact on not only that position, but on the program grid and in the community. And little does that person realize not putting in the work today to further build the foundation of your position and your radio station deeply affects the foundation of the radio station in the semesters and the years to come after you. Wow, that was a long rant. <laughs> I am so sorry, Dot, for going, uh, for going on a tangent there. If you want to go back and, and describe about WMSR's, uh, WMSR's time, go right ahead. Yes, and of course, one of the advisors, uh, Dr. Wright, had had uh, experience in, in regular radio because he came over to Millersville to teach, having been in regular radio. So he knew about news and talk shows and, uh, and all that, sports, programming. And uh, so he was, he was a good one to begin with. And Francis, of course, was the tech guy. So they had an advisor who was, had been in radio and a person who had been in electronics. That was Francis, and uh, Wright was the one who was the uh, radio guy. And that's a good one-two combo to have when you're starting up a college radio station because you have the experience from both different sides of things. Yep, and then if you're going to involve the students, 
you created a whole structure of a radio club, which had a, uh, at that point, a station manager program. They had to write the whole constitution that later became the framework for later developments of a constitution for WIXQ, which at that time, of course, was the constitution for WMSR. And what also I think was very helpful, not only when you, you have that experience there from the advisors, then you have the students that are going in along with the advisors writing the constitution. Then you also have the students within your college radio station working with other college radio stations within the area because there was a thing in our area at that time called the Keystone Collegiate Radio Network made up of different college radio stations from around central Pennsylvania. Yes, and of course we were a part of that. And our job uh, as WMSR was to contribute feature stories and news via this network and provide other colleges with Millersville news and updates, just like these colleges were providing us with news and updates. Although I wasn't involved, that's, that's what I gleaned from the history. Not only can you have a working relationship, but you can also network with these people that are doing the same thing that you are. Yep, and it also was an interesting, they also had this show called The Forum, because remember, this is the height of the 60s where everybody's revolting. Remember, we got a little bit into that in one of our prior ones. And they used to have panels put together where the president was there and members of the faculty were there. And they were discussing uh, something about how we, we needed to evaluate professors and their teaching because two members of the foreign language department had been dismissed and I can gather were sort of popular teachers. So they were actually brought in a panel uh, that was chaired by a man by the name of Mike, Michael Decker, who was a student and had the president Duncan and uh, history professor Keller, economics professor Butos and a physics professor and an art professor, all discussing teaching and the evaluation of professors, which is interesting that they put that on air. Everybody was there. But a community affairs program like that is a very important show for your station to have. Your focal point is obviously going to be campus. And what better way to connect with them by holding a show that focuses on topics that are affecting the students, the staff, the university, and the community around you? Yes, and one of those forums actually got in, and I don't remember this too much, but I do remember the ending of it, underground newspaper, because one of the forums challenged whether the snapper was doing its job or not. And then they invited a whole bunch of people to come in and talk about underground newspapers with such interesting names as uh, the Millersville Crapper, the Two Cent Plain Dealer, uh, Mora Underground, and uh, Omnibus. So there were a variety of underground newspapers that were discussed during that show that actually were going on. I actually got copies of the, of the Two Cent Plain Dealer. So for those who don't know, the Snapper is Millersville University's newspaper. It's been around for a long time, since 1925, I believe. Uh, but anyway, Doc, what exactly was going on with that? They were, if, if you live that period in the 60s, a lot of student rebellion, they were rebelling against the war in Vietnam. They were rebelling against maybe the writing, uh, the way the Snapper was written. So they had this big panel where the Snapper people were there and all these other people were representing all these underground newspapers trying to claim that, hey, we need underground newspapers, not just the Snapper. So I got into the tail end of that when I came in 71. It pretty well died out by then. But I do remember the Millersville two-cent plane deal and the Millersville crapper. And also doing some digging into the history, the WMSR forum had the ability to be heard live on the air in the dormitories, but then it was also recorded, and then you could later hear it through a campus dial access system. That is correct. As I said in one of my earlier, uh, earlier times here uh, when we were doing this, I actually had my lectures on the dial access system. So you could listen to it. You could dial in literally via telephone. 
For me, as I look to see what a college radio station can potentially do to get and grow their outreach in these times, a program like that could be something that is very beneficial. You hold the show live on your station, featuring a variety of important campus and community personnel who then talk about the topics at hand. Then you can ask the people who live in the community to ask and submit questions to a moderator that revolve around the topics that you're talking about during that episode. And then those featured guests on the show can answer the questions that are asked by the moderator. A couple of days later, and this is the big thing, you take a recording of the community forum that just aired on your station and post it to your station's website or a streaming service for other members of the community to listen to. That's if they didn't have the chance to listen the last time or if they'd like to revisit it down the line. Yeah, Millersville's constitution, WNSR's, WIXQ's, uh, when I was became advisor, we had a position that was in charge of this called educational programming. And of course, we started out strictly educational. So that was a very key position, which over the course of time has since been eliminated. There is no educational program director anymore on the, on the exec council at the WIXQ, but that was the position that was to do this community kind of outreach and have these forums and talk shows and discussions. So there was actually a procedure for this uh, person in charge of this. But over the course of time, students, because they got more interested in music, got rid of it and it turned into a music station, even though it wasn't intended to be that. It was intended to be educational programming. And a certain element, a certain percentage, we used to have these pie charts when I first became advisor, had to be educational programming. And I, because I did trivia on the oldies show, was called educational programming to get the percentage of at that time WMSR, WIXQ up to uh, up to the required percentage, which I always thought was sort of funny. And that just goes to show the power that the students do have that that evolution of the programming. Thanks to the students, they can make it whatever they want to make it to be. Exactly, and we had periods of not. And when I was advisor, that we had some tremendous talk shows going on where the president would come down, the vice president of student affairs would come down. Uh, we've had, had members of the community, and we used to have these forum kind of discussions. And it, it was also a way in which you engage the, uh, the community in actually helping solve maybe some problems between the, uh, what they call the town and the gown. So it's a, it was at one time a very useful position, but as I say, over the course of time, it got eliminated by the students. They didn't want, they, nobody wanted to do it. Music is so accessible these days. And members in your community may see radio as a dying breed, but you don't have to let it be that way. Whether you're a general station member or part of your station's council, you have to come up with programming that's going to hook and engage the listener. Something like that would be very engaging these days and something that stations should consider. That's if they're not doing it already. Well, if you notice, a lot of college uh, programming nowadays does involve talk shows and radio talk show has come back. Everything is cyclical, and maybe right now is the time by which you could bring back these community-based shows and talk about community issues or talk about worldwide issues or whatever. But you notice there's a lot of talk radio going on right now, sports, etc. And sports was a big thing at WMSR back in the day, Doc. Yeah, they used to do basketball games. We used to do some basketball, uh, football games even, uh, back when it was IXQ on a Saturday and some special basketball. But again, there was a sports director who was a, a position at, at the radio that has since gone by the wayside because again, it, it turned out to become a music station. And we also did college graduation. Can you believe we also broadcast on the radio a college graduation? 
I broadcast college graduations over WIXQ. And I was the color man for WIXQ uh, graduations because they were piping them into the uh, smack because they didn't, couldn't get enough people into the, at that time, the football stadium for the outdoor graduation. So we used to actually broadcast graduation of Millersville over the air. And you figure that was decades before the internet and streaming came along because nowadays they can easily pull up a camera and other technology for people to watch it online. Yep. It was really tough to do. Like, well, how do you, how do you make a graduation interesting? Like walking into the stadium right now in their glorified cap and ground. You know, I mean, I had to make all kinds of, all kinds of transitional things. Otherwise you'd have a lot of dead air because you can only play pop and circumstance so long before people are saying, why do they keep playing this over and over? You know, <laughs> you got to make statements like, well, now come the philosophies and their beautiful caps and gowns and maroon colors with polka dot vests and all that kind of stuff. So you had to make it a little inter more interesting than just having your mic hanging out, picking up pop and circumstance. But that just goes to show what needed to be done with radio back then, because radio was a big medium at that point. It was integral. Yes, it was. I mean, I mean, we had a good following because they used to put the people down in the smack and broadcast into that that area. And a lot of the people who couldn't climb stairs or, or, or mobily challenged went down there. So we served a very useful function for graduation. Something else that I found interesting about WMSR's history was that it had an FM affiliate long before they were an FM radio station of WIXQ. But when they were off the air, they would partner with an FM radio station and pipe in their music for the dormitories to hear. Yeah, and they had the WFIL, I think, out of Philly, and they always would they would change it periodically because they get a little bit, uh, people get tired of that station, then they go to another station. So they always had something going over the air, uh, was which came from an external feed. One of those stations that was getting piped through back in the day was one that I would have loved to have heard at that time. Philadelphia's 93.3 WMMR that, funnily enough, was celebrating their 50th anniversary when WIXQ was celebrating theirs. Really? Yep. Little interesting bit of trivia from Shane Garcia. It was through that campus and community connection that WMMR ultimately became that FM affiliate for WMSR because they reached out to the people on campus and said, hey, what do you want to hear? Because that's what you need to do as a college radio station is you need to put a focus on your campus and your community and put out a product that they will want to listen to. Yeah, and I, 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 as I say, I was not around when all that was going on. But I do know that from the history which I researched, that was exactly what was going on at Millersville before I came, uh, came to Millersville. And at that time, the station really wasn't going anywhere. It, wasn't, it didn't really have too much of a community outreach, as in throughout the county of Lancaster County but it was affecting campus pretty deep, I would say, because they would be able to listen to it in the dormitories and in the dining halls. You had to find a way to promote the college radio station to the people. So if you look back in a WIXQ memoir, the one that, that Doc wrote, WMSR DJs created something called the Hot 30 survey that was given to the students so they could submit what music they wanted to hear on WMSR. Yeah, it was called the Whimsor. Hot 30 survey, and they would give every week, they would give the uh, the top 30 hits as Windsor, WMSR, sorry. And there was a program on as well that people could tune in and hear those top 30 tracks. 
That is correct. Again, I never listened to it at that time because I was not on living on campus. I was living off campus. But I do remember uh, hearing about it from some of the uh, alumni who have come back and told me about it. I think that's another great way to connect with your campus and, and your community by sending out those surveys to gauge what your audience really wants to hear. And obviously the students can play whatever they want. That's that's the purpose of a free format radio station. But that's a good way to really gauge your audience and put it out there that, hey, we're an alternative to what you hear on commercial radio. But b- being a breeding ground for, for the underground, that's a good way to really get yourself out there and say, hey, what do you want to hear? What do you want to hear that's not being played on the radio or something that you might have found on a streaming service? But they also got their name out there through the campus newspaper, The Snapper. Yeah, and ISQ would, uh, when my day, would actually have its program bread put up there. And we would have joint meetings with, uh, I mean, we would, we, The Snapper would do stories on WIXQ DJs and the programming, too, back in those days. But that was a good way to really get your name out there. And it's something that I feel like stations should apply today to try to advertise through your other campus mediums, such as a student newspaper or other clubs but also putting out surveys, whether or not it be something that you could put out on Facebook, on social media, on Twitter, Instagram, even Reddit. You can put something out there to just to try to draw in your community and to get them to listen to your station. But at that time, it was only the dormitories before it fully evolved into an FM radio station. And there was a lot of rebellion going on, at, as always, at the WMSR that I read about and have had people told me. But again, I think that's an interesting story another day that would be an interesting story for another day especially as how wmsr evolved to an fm radio station known as wixq yep and i think we will have many people who might even want to join us for that i believe so because that was a very interesting time period from what i've heard and from what i've read through the history that you wrote doc that there was a lot of conflict not only from the students but the advisors and the university itself during that time period to try to build up an FM radio station for the Lancaster County community. But I think we can come back to that next week for the fourth episode of Scholastic Transmission as we talk about the evolution to an FM radio station. Thank you, Shane. I look forward to coming back and talking with you about it. You can stay up to date with Scholastic Transmission and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at College Radio Pod. Again, that's College Radio Pod to get your social media fix. And as you may see on our social media pages, we're putting out a post every Monday afternoon called a pop quiz to get to know you, the listener, a little bit better and to ask about what you did during your time in college radio. Because everybody has their own unique story and it's important for us to know that as we do this podcast and perhaps maybe we can even talk to you as that time goes on. Be sure to share the podcast and our pages with your friends, your family, or some current or former college radio colleagues to let them know that they can listen to Scholastic Transmission wherever they get their podcast. But before we go today, Doc, and get ready for the next episode, is there anything else you'd want to say to the listeners? Nope. Just stay tuned as we continue the saga. So until next week, for Dr. Ralph Doc Rock Antonin, I'm Shane Garcia. Thanks for listening to Scholastic Transmission, a college radio podcast. Class is dismissed.